Well, hello, dear listener, and welcome to a meeting of the Strikes Are Fancy Midnight Society Tales Hour. I am your host tonight, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing. I had nothing. Uh, and as as always, are with me my two partners and a special guest. I am Rob the Wraith. And it's it's creeping Craig. And Jinkies, it's James. <laughs> there it is. There uh, it is. Nice. Tonight, uh, I figured we'd talk about some uh, some of our favorite scary stories uh, and kind of what what scares us. Like I like I wanted to talk also about like why oral scary stories are more enticing. I think yeah. than than just like watching a horror movie or reading a book. The physical act of sitting around a campfire with your friends or with your family and hearing hearing these stories of the paranormal or whatever, I think always sits a little bit more creepier than than watching the horror movie or watching or reading the book or whatever. Sure. That's that mm-hmm. that I mean that's one of my favorite parts of summer is like sitting sure, around yeah. a fire with friends and then talking and sometimes that veers towards the creepy and the crawly, you know? So nice. Well I'll jump right on that. Is is it scary because it's oral storytelling, or is it scary because you're telling a scary story in a dark place and if you're you know you're crowded around a campfire by definition it is dark but also your eyes are adjusting to the fire mm. which brings the darkness in closer i'm sure the ambiance plays plays a lot towards uh towards something like that but i'll even posit that like you know i think podcasts about true scary stories or just scary stories in general you know the no sleep podcast or I've been listening to one called Radio Rental. You know, they they tell these scary stories just in the darkness of your car in the middle of the fucking road nowhere, you know, as oh, you're man, driving. That is the scariest place to be. It really is. <laughs> uh, and that's the perfect time to listen to those stories. So uh, the ambiance also brings it. But also, I think, I don't, I, I can't explain it, but like, it does go back to like an oral tradition throughout history of people mm-hmm. just telling stories of warnings about don't go here for this reason. And here's why, and it's it's this fantastical tale of of uh, phantoms. You know? mm-hmm. But also, I know that James is a big fan of ghost stories. I mean, look at his fucking T-shirt. It says Zach Bagans Haunted Museum. For those I can't see it, which is going to be about <laughs> everyone besides three people. <laughs> That's half our listener. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that includes the one guy in Germany. Are you big into scary stories, James? I love scary stories. Yeah. I love horror and just really anything to do with it. So do you I, like really like controlled orchestrated horror like movies or do you like kind of the messier but maybe more organic feeling stories around the campfire or the creepy pastas of the internet? I think both have their places, but if I was to pick one, I would probably be more of the storytelling more so than the movies. Yeah. But like I said, both have their place. Okay. Before we continue, tell me about your visit to the Zach Baggins Haunted Museum. Was it actually haunted? Was there actually shit going on inside? I was like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, so with it, we did two tours. We did a VIP access to where oh, it's like 70 bucks and you get a guided tour through it. And then a couple of nights later, we did the all access tour. So they give you a flashlight and like, uh, it's not an EVP. It's one with like the, where it taps into like the white noise. You get like an instant result. The spirit box? Yeah. Yeah, we'll go Spirit Box. Uh-huh. I think they give you that. But um, you get full reign of his museum for two hours in the yeah, pitch cool. black. And Haunted, I don't know. It's a lot of cool things in there. Two things stood out. One, they have Jack Kevorkian's van. 
I, I need some context. I don't know who that yeah. is. Jack Kuverkian's Dr. Death. Um, so he went around and did assisted suicides for people. Okay. So he had a van, and people basically sought him out, and then he killed them. Well, they killed themselves sure. with his assistance. Did yeah. they do it in the van? Correct. Hmm. So that is probably possibly haunted. <laughs> um, but what was cool is, like, my wife and I, it was near the end of the tour, we're by the van, and we asked what happened in this van, and that ghost box said injection. Oh, oh. Which is one of the ways that people died. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And then the other one is my least favorite kind of evidence where it's like a feeling because you can't quantify a feeling. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas like if it's a recording or something that like said something and everyone heard it, you can kind of quantify it. But there is this device and I forget what it's called, but basically you put a photo on one end and you can summon a demon out the other end. Huh. Some homemade device and they had it running while we're in there. And after about five minutes in the room, you just feel very uncomfortable. Then, like, something's, like, behind you. Hmm. You can't quantify it, but we both looked at each other and said, we just need to get out of here. Do you think that comes from knowing what the device is supposedly supposed to do and, like, being in the, being in the room in the dark with it? Not to put the, you, the debunking skin You want the double-blind study, Caleb? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, psych, like, psychologically speaking, I think that's a big part of it. Is like you know what it is, what it's supposed to do, and I think that adds a little bit to it. But yeah, I, I would agree with you a little bit. I think it's because you know what it is. And that's why it's my least favorite kind of evidence because there's nothing you could quantify mm-hmm. out of that experience besides it was cool and it made you feel uncomfortable. Do you believe? My thing with 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 ghosts, In life after love. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my thing with ghosts is I feel like a lot of things have a rational explanation to them. That being said, it only takes one story to be true, and it just blows the whole lid off everything. But I would say most of everything has a rational explanation to it. But to answer your question of, like, do I believe in ghosts? Yes. Do I believe in every ghost story? No. To tie a bit bigger into the the topic as a whole... So you went to this museum where there was creepy stuff and they really played up the, the atmosphere. Did you have a moment or, or a few moments of genuine like fear while you were in there? Like, were you worried about yourself or your safety or was it just kind of that more unease? It was more of the unease more than anything. Okay. I think everyone there kind of had like their own different experiences. My wife, for example, she, well, there is a staircase you're going down there. I mean, there is a lot of staircases. I think it's a, mansion but there's a staircase you're going down it and she saw this like black mass on the staircase mm. and again you can't quantify it but I, be- I believe her i believe that she saw it and it turns out underneath that staircase is the rocking chair from the conjuring mm-hmm. so that maybe there's something it broke in it. the first movie i saw it being slammed <laughs> against the wall and i saw it at the museum <laughs> I am just curious. I get to tie into the whole storytelling and oral stories. How did they convey all this history to you guys in the museum? We're turning into an advertisement for the Zach Baggins on the <laughs> museum, but I am just curious. Like you went in, and I, you have this sense of unease based on what you heard. I assume, or is it just you reading placards? Um, it's a guided tour, so they definitely have their tour guides that are drumming it up, and it's definitely one-sided you know i mean they obviously believe what everything they have in there is haunted there's some things you read and whatnot but a lot of it's them telling you the story of the item 
Um, and like there is a doll. I think it's like Sally the doll or something like that. If I get it wrong, my wife's never going to forgive me. But <laughs> you're not supposed to like look her in the eyes and you're not supposed to like make fun of her. That was the first thing you did, wasn't it? You looked her in the it eyes. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I looked her in the eyes and like I said something and I forget what I said. I mean, it was like a year and a half ago. You broke both rules. You're like in the eye. Fuck you, Sally. Listen, if if they tell you don't look it in the eyes. And it's a tour. Hey, people are going to be looking it <laughs> yeah. in the eyes. Um, but what ended up happening, I had to remind my wife, correlation is not causation. Um, the next day, I got super sick. Hmm. Mm. I also ate a breakfast sandwich that did not sit well, which mm. I think 95% of it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but maybe the sandwich was haunted. Yeah. You know, everything just goes right. This is full circle. Full yeah. circle back. So, so uh, as they're telling you the stories, do you think the ambiance of the museum would have been different had it just been placards or regular, like were they, were they jazzing up the story in the tour? I don't know if they jazz it up, but I mean, like they definitely keep the lights off. Like it'd be a different atmosphere if they turned all the lights on. It was just super bright in there. It's usually pretty easy to tell. Were they doing this? (laughs) (laughs) Jazz ants. (laughs) So, I mean, yes, it was cool. I, I would go again. They have a lot of cool things in there. I would maybe stop short at Haunted on some of them. But they're cool nonetheless. Yeah. Like, they have a lot of um, paintings from, like, serial killers that were done in prison and just various cool things. They're, like, from a museum standpoint, really cool. But from a Haunted standpoint, for me, maybe not. But it's cool. Do you... I, I have no knowledge of this place before this conversation, Caleb asking, like, did the guides play it up? But I'm also curious, the experience as a whole, do you gen- think that they were genuinely trying to display and educate? Or were they really like, we're selling tickets, so we need to make this spooky. We need to maybe manipulate some stuff while people are stumbling around in the dark. We need to give them spirit boxes that are going to say things every now and again. Like, do you think any of it was deliberately falsified to get a better experience? I guess I can't vouch for that. Like, every time I ran, like... So, like, when we did the, the tour where he had full access with a flashlight and a spirit box, the guides were sitting in a chair. Like, mm-hmm. they left you alone. And I inadvertently shined my flashlight into their eyes a couple of times because I didn't realize that they're there, like, sure. sitting in a corner. But it's entirely possible because they give you the devices. When it comes to horror stuff, I'm a skeptic believer. But for me, I have to, dis- like, suspend my disbelief. Sure. If I was I to enjoy a ghost story, never trust a device marketed as a spirit box. <laughs> that is one hundred percent a thing that it's designed to just answer. Sometimes, yeah. Well, it's just like I, I'm thinking if I was a snake oil salesman and I'm selling this experience in my home, I'm gonna be like, yeah, I'm gonna give you flashlights that flicker. I'm mm-hmm. gonna give you spirit boxes that talk to you every now and again. I'm going to have people in the walls or behind certain objects, like knocking on shit or pushing shit over. But do you think that's entirely disingenuous? Because but, people are going there for that type of experience. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, no I'm, not, I'm not saying it's fraud necessarily or it's mm. not, not even a bad experience. I'm mainly the question to you, James, was like, do you think that's what they were doing? Like, did it kind of, did the space give you that kind of vibe that they were like, you're going to have this kind of experience? Or was it more like, hey, we have all this stuff. Take a look around. Here's the history. And, and not a lot's going to happen. Like, were they telling you that things were going to be happening? They said, like, things could happen. They weren't promising anything. Okay. What makes me believe that they weren't doing that, and I'm, 
It could be entirely possible. Sure. And I feel like if you wanted to make it believable, you're not going to do it 24 seven. Mm-hmm. Right. You're going to do it once or twice or at most five times throughout the two hour block. Right. You're not going to just constantly do stuff. But like with that injection, like EVP ghost box kind of thing we got, that was like an hour and 30 minutes into us mm. being in there. And that was our first experience the whole time. Okay. So like if they were doing it, they're doing a good job of not doing it to like drum up your one or two experiences you have. Sure. story rough okay. sorts i came with a story to talk about i didn't come with a story okay <laughs> i came with a story yeah but before we delve into that i guess what do you guys sort of like about the oral tradition and not just specifically scary I stories mean, the oral tradition is probably the oldest tradition in humanity that is that is how traditionally stories have been told and it does make a more a more human connection to both to the storyteller and the listener but also to the story itself and possibly the characters and events in it telling a story with a person is the best way to do it especially a good storyteller they will involve the listener in some way Sometimes by watching their body language, sometimes by just listening to what they say. And if you're really good, knowing the person and potentially changing the story for them. Yeah, I completely agree. That's what I was going to mention is a good storyteller will be able to key in on what is engaging their audience the most and play that up or, yeah, ultimately change the story so that it's it's a more tailored experience for that one telling. And that's another way to think about it. No two tellings are ever going to be exactly the same makes it unreliable, but it also makes it a unique, precious experience every time. I think uh, unreliable is just fine. <laughs> Cause like going back to like, uh, like I said earlier, those traditions of like, you know, sitting around, I think most of the stories were told as warnings, mm. whether moral warnings or stay away from this particular area warnings, you know, so even don't go in the forest, don't go in the forest at night. I mean, I think that that holds weight. Sometimes kids will go in the forest anyway. So they need another, mm-hmm. a more tangible reason. There's mm-hmm. a, there's ghosts in the forest. There's a monster in the forest. And that's what interests me about, you know, that old style sort of storytelling. As it goes back years and years, there's inherent truth to the horror being told mm-hmm. of yeah, maybe the monster isn't real, but there is something in the forest that could hurt you, and this is why we're lying to you. And I, I think that's interesting. For me personally. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. But how about you, James? Do you like being told a story by someone or like vocally, or do you prefer to read or watch? Again, like I think there's beauty to both, right? But like if I was to pick, I want to be told a story. Mm-hmm. Because not only, like I agree with everything you guys just said, but on top of that, you get 
more of like like an ambiance. Like if you're telling a story around a campfire, you're gonna get the crackle of the flames. You might mm-hmm. get a rustle of the leaves if you're telling it in the fall. You may get like someone howling in the background. Like I feel like you get some of mm-hmm. those more ambiance things that you would lose if you're like reading. Yeah, something. even even an otherwise mundane sound would, in the middle of a story, make you jump or really add to it. Do you guys have a type of story that gets you the most? Like a genre of scary story that you're like, for some reason that just resonates with you and you're like, I hate it, but I love it. Mm. I have one where, well, the story I brought is nothing. The thing that like actually like scares me probably because I don't want to read it. Right. But, <laughs> but I don't like being followed. Like yeah. the movie it follows terrified me. Just from like a personal standpoint, because like no matter what you did, it's just coming for you. No matter where you go, no matter where you put yourself, it's always coming for you. Hmm. I don't like that. It's inevitable. You know, uh, one of my favorite stories you told me is that the scary movie three scene where she keeps turning around and the thing keeps jumping behind her. It's supposed to be comedic. <laughs> James that, was terrified. <laughs> that that scene terrified me. Oh yeah. Like I when I took showers, I had my back against the wall <laughs> when I was putting like soap in my hair because I didn't want to like have soap in my eyes and then all of a sudden like not be able to see behind me. Like I don't like huh. being followed. They're gonna get you in the shower, James. Mm-hmm. I know, and then like the, like my dead body photo is gonna be me naked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's prime time to get you. You're yeah. naked. You don't want to run out of the sh- run out of the shower. Well, that's. Do you think for you, James, it's a vulnerability thing? Like that's why you don't like it is you're not in control of the situation. It could be, but also I relate it to this. Is gonna sound stupid. Like the price is right. There's certain games. <laughs> not stupid, <laughs> but a little baffling yeah. on its yeah. nose. Yeah. But like there's certain games on there, like I would hate playing. And it's the games to where you have to like run around and look like an idiot trying to like solve a puzzle. I don't have like no specific game in mind, but like there's certain ones I can think of. You like roll a dice and you have to like go figure out like the price of something and run back, hit a buzzer. Sure. I would hate that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's okay. So I feel like it's the same. <laughs> I think it's a control thing. I can't control something following me and I can't control me being wrong in those random games. Interesting. Mm-hmm. To okay. equate it back. So here's a question. Do you carry a mirror with you so you can watch for someone following you? It's actually funny you bring that up because that's my story is a mirror story. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> those interest me. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't. There's this like one really good story to where it's someone running in the woods and the entire time they hear footsteps behind them. They're walking and the footsteps walking with them. They stop at stops. They turn around. There's no one there. They start running and the footsteps are running with them Mm -hmm. just for them to realize when they get to their car, it's their soul. Their shoe came loose and it's (laughs) flapping every time they take a step. (laughs) But like told right, that story would scare me. Yeah. Even though it's just, you know, the ending is kind of dumb, but you tell it right. Spooky. Mm hmm. That sounds like something that actually happened to somebody. (laughs) I read a story on one of those creepypasta forums a long time ago, and it's alleged to be true, and I'm willing to believe it because of the ending. The guy was in Georgia driving up at a crossroads around midnight, and he comes up to the stop, and he looks behind him, and he sees a red person floating toward him, like not walking, floating freaked the hell out like peeled out 
looked in the rearview mirror and realized it was a guy on a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, yeah, if you were in the middle of nowhere, like you wouldn't be expecting it. Right. Like, that yeah. Would, that, <laughs> and suddenly you catch it in uh, the corner of your eye or in a mirror. You'd be like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mirror? Why are you using a mirror? Oh, rear view mirror. Yeah, I thought yeah. you were just like walking. <laughs> How do you drive your car, Caleb? <sighs> James, your story. <laughs> yeah, You're the second guest that's brought reams of paper. Feels good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, You're setting the standard. You really like are. It. You and Stacey. Yeah, I'm ready to get all snuggled in, tucked in, and be told a story. Let me let me just preface with with the mirror stories though. I think what's cool about them is just the possibility. Like, and for me, I have to su- I have to suspend disbelief, right? To mm-hmm. me, a mirror is just a mirror, right? You see a reflection; it's clearly you. But what if it's not, right? Like, what if like you're brushing your teeth, you turn around, all of a sudden your reflection doesn't turn around? A, you would have no way of knowing. B, what does that imply? Yeah, mm-hmm. there's something to be said in the 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 physical workings of a mirror like that light has touched you to get to the mirror and then come back it's not necessarily a part of you but at least it you have had an experience with what's coming back at you already which mm-hmm. i've never really thought of before but mm-hmm. well like and, and we'll get to the story but like on a topic of like mirrors and stuff like that i'm sure we've all like looked at our reflections for a while at some point in our lives right like or do you have you ever not done that I spend the first 30 minutes of every day standing in front of the mirror naked, just, just, you just, take it all just in. gazing, just, just soak, take soaking it all in. in. Finding all the flaws. <laughs> I was going to say, if you got it, flaunt it. <laughs> but like, okay, maybe it is just me. I have spent like just looking in the bathroom mirror once for about 10 minutes just looking at my reflection. And I could swear that there was a delay or something. And I'm sure there is on a microscopic sort of like level of like, a fraction of a second delay between like the light coming back to me, or whatever, or it could just be the mind, my mind playing with me. Sure. And I just found that interesting that like, I freaked myself out and I left. I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I didn't use the bathroom for about a day. <laughs> yeah. You could definitely induce the kind of delay in your eyes when mm. you move. And yeah, I've never heard that specifically of seeing it and yourself in the mirror. But, um, you know, like when you look at a clock, and the second hand takes more than a second to move mm. because your brain smooths out the motion or whatever. Mm. I could definitely see that same effect happening in a mirror. Mm. I could also see like if you're in your own head so much about it, you're like, okay, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to move my hand that way. And then you do it. And then it seems like there's a delay because you were already thinking about what you were going to do. Yeah. yeah. But I don't, I don't know. Mm. But no, I guess I, I haven't done that. I haven't like, Tried to catch the mirror. Well, when you wake up naked and yeah. look, just <laughs> just catch the mirror. Try to All catch right. the mirror. Real quick, too, there is a psychology to where they did experiments to where um, two people, two strangers sat across a table in dim lighting and were told to stare each other's eyes for 10 minutes. Say nothing, just stare and keep a very, relatively like expressionless expression on your face. And what people were reporting throughout those 10 minutes is people's faces were like morphing. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, I forget what that effect's called, but like, so I think there is something about like looking at your face in a mirror. I think it would be the same effect. Sure. To an extent. So, so I saw some morphing. All right. Let's dim the lights. Start the fire. Does this tale have a title? 
Um, I believe it was called The Mirror is Real, and I got this off Wattpad by the real, like the real one. I think was the author. Wait, um, but if mirrors aren't real, how are our eyes real? Loophole. <laughs> Flesh doesn't count. <laughs> so, anyways, you guys ready? Yeah, let's go. Take us on yeah. a journey. All right, I'm gonna try my best to uh, to convey what's going on here, but we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. So. Unless you wish to experience endless nights without sleep, the painful insomnia sent from the devil himself, don't look. If one of those lucky enough to fall asleep after such an experience is mine, then you'll realize it soon. You'll soon wake in the middle of the night screaming with the agony from the torturous nightmares you have no choice but to endure. But there is one way to save yourself. You simply cannot look. Please... Please heed my advice, friend. Don't look into your bedroom mirror at night while the lights are off. If I can just interject here. That's like a common trope. Don't have mirrors in your room for exactly this reason. I don't know where this story is going exactly, but yeah, having mirrors in your room is often associated with having spirits come in and, and bother you in the night. It's a feng shui, my wife called it. Yeah, I, I don't know specifically feng shui, but I, I think there's a lot of traditions that say don't have mirrors in your room. And face your bed a certain way and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. Hopefully the giant one on my ceiling is okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess no, Nothing's to, come through yet. You're about to find out. I, yeah. I, I, saw, I, did, I saw an interdimensional being in the men's bathroom at work <laughs> with an infinity mirror, so it's fine. <laughs> I'm just half kidding, because it's just a mirror. (laughs) Anyways, so, on one wretched night, I had been out late with some friends at a party. In order to stay up for the fun, I drank about five cups of coffee. We stayed out until about one in the morning, and then by that time, we had decided to go home. Well, once I had arrived at my house, I had realized just how wired I still was from all that caffeine. I was wide awake. That was going to be a problem, as I'd be up early in the morning, so I really needed to get some sleep. Unfortunately for me, I tried to. I went to my room and quickly changed into a comfortable t-shirt and some shorts. Then I walked over to a large full-length mirror I had in my room and stared at myself for a moment, taking in the view of myself. Content that I was just about ready for bed, I began to turn toward my bedroom door, but stopped dead in my tracks for a moment when a strange feeling washed over me. I shuddered and scanned the room with confusion. I didn't know why, but I had the feeling that I was being watched. I know everyone sort of has that kind of paranoia once in a while, but this was somehow felt different. It felt too real. It felt as if someone were actually standing in my room and staring at me, drilling holes into the back of my head. I turned my head and looked behind me, but no one was there. My reflection wore the same confused look that I did. Trying to shake off the feeling, I headed over to the bathroom. I walked into my dark bathroom with the intent of brushing my teeth before going to bed. I slid my hand along the wall and searched for the light switch. I always had trouble finding it for some reason, but it only took a couple of seconds. My fingers soon met something on the wall, but it felt strange. It was cold and soft. Definitely not a light switch. I quickly retracted my hand a surprised and perplexed expression forming on my face. 
There shouldn't have been anything on that wall except for the light switch. In a quick motion, I pushed the bathroom door open wide, hoping to shed some light and find whatever my hand had touched on the wall. My head spun back to the wall and I jumped when I thought I spotted something out of the corner of my eye. It was only for a split second, but I could have sworn I saw something protruding out of the mirror. I quickly found the light switch and sighed with relief when the light poured out from the overhead bulbs. I then turned my attention immediately to the wall. All that was there was a light switch. Nothing else. I leaned up against the doorframe and looked around as I raised a nervous hand on my neck. My eyes surveyed the scene and I landed on that mirror that was directly in front of me. My reflection was as perplexed as ever, looking really uncomfortable and almost worried. I moved my hand to my forehead and wiped my sweaty brow, forcing a little laugh as I scolded myself. I was being ridiculous, acting like an easily frightened child. I shook my head and reached my toothbrush. When I walked back into my room, I noticed just how much of a mess my bed was. There were clothes strewn all about it, and about a million shopping bags from the previous day's spree littering it. Had it really been like that this morning? I actually left it like that? I felt like such a slob, but really didn't feel like organizing the mess at 2 in the morning. I went and retrieved a couple of blankets from the closet and found a spot on the floor a few feet in front of my full-length mirror that wasn't scattered with articles of clothing. I folded the blankets into a sort of a makeshift sleeping bag and finished it off by plopping my pillows down at the end. It looked so comfortable and I was certain that I'd be able to fall asleep in no time at all. With that thought in mind, I went to close my bedroom door and shut off my overhead light and then shuffled in my cozy cocoon. I laid on my stomach and crossed my arms over my pillow as I faced my mirror. Gazing back at myself in total comfort, I looked so relaxed and I soon closed my eyes. The clock read 2.13 a.m. After a couple of minutes of lying in silence, I heard a car door slam in the driveway next door. I knew the sound had been made by my neighbors since a couple of seconds later, a spotlight illuminated, casting a stream of dim light through the blinds of my window. I was usually okay with the spotlight as I'd never disturbed my slumber before, but due to my new position on the floor, the light had found a clear path to my eyelids penetrating them to the point where I'd become mildly annoyed. I slowly opened an eye and glanced up at the window. I sighed, waiting for the light to die out, but it didn't. Feeling more annoyed, I rolled my eyes, and in an instant they rested on my mirror. At that moment, my breathing stopped. I couldn't close my eyes, and I couldn't look away. I was frozen. Staring back at me through the glass was my reflection. On any other occasion, this wouldn't have chilled me, but this time it was different. My reflection. Its eyes were watching me. And I don't mean the average, look, your reflection is supposed to return. Oh no, this was something completely different. Its eyes were wide open. Much wider than I could ever make them. The sight paralyzed me, but only momentarily. I just figured that I startled myself. Trying to avoid eye contact with my own image, I closed my eyes and tried to get back to sleep. The clock read 2.25 a.m. I didn't make any progress in my attempts as the minutes continued to pass. The clock ticked steadily in its place on the wall. Tick. 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 The light from my neighbor's driveway still hadn't turned off. My aggravation was beginning to build. At this rate, I wouldn't get any sleep. Feeling hopeless, I opened my eyes 
and nearly jumped out of my skin when I looked in the mirror again. My reflection was staring at me with those same wide, intense eyes. But it wasn't only that. Its eyes were now completely bloodshot, and its mouth was contorted into a menacing scowl. It looked like a rabid predator staring at its prey after days of looking for it. It was terrifying, but that wasn't the only reason why the view had alarmed me. I don't know if it was my imagination or not, but it looked as though my reflection had gotten closer to the mirror. I was so scared I could hardly move, but I had to avert my eyes. I quickly pulled the blanket up over my head, my breathing now heavy. I tightly closed my eyes, praying that I had only imagined the image. It had seemed so real and so evil, like it actually wanted to hurt me. But the very thought was insane. It was an image in a mirror. My reflection. It wasn't real. It was just a copy. It was just another me. At that moment, I heard the all-too-familiar creaking sound of my bedroom door being opened slowly behind me. I froze under the covers, because I lived alone. With a shaky hand, I lifted the blanket just slightly to peek out. I peered into the mirror at the door behind me. My eyes instantly grew wide in fear. The door was slightly ajar, but that wasn't the part that terrified me. My reflection wasn't in the mirror anymore. I was now breathing heavier than I ever had before, my whole body shaking in fright. I sat up quickly, reached for the baseball bat that laid on the floor beside a pile of magazines. I heard the door creak again, and I spun around to face it, the bat in hand and ready to be used if necessary. Who, who, who's there? I stammered loudly. The fear of my voice ringing out. There was no answer. I repeated myself, now on the verge of tears, and still there was no answer. I was about to slide out my covers when the door suddenly slammed shut. I jumped and dropped the bat, falling backwards onto my elbows inches from the mirror. My fear level was through the roof. My heart was beating uncontrollably, and I had a major headache now and began to quietly sob. That's when I heard it. A low growl. It gurgled in my eardrums. A guttural sound, and it was almost certainly not that of a human's. Then I felt the hot breath in the back of my neck. I never had a chance to scream. My neighbor's spotlight died out. The clock read 3 a.m. She died? It's a first person story. Did she die? <laughs> <laughs> so why that story? I like the concept of mirrors. Like for me, like I said, like a mirror is just a mirror, but it's the possibilities that you can do with it. Like, you take, like, an infinity mirror. Like, you take a mirror, and you hold it to another mirror. And within those mirrors, you create, like, an infinite number of doorways, right? Like, you can read up on, like, those, like, type of doorways, scary stories, where, like, something comes out of that doorway. That's cool. I like the, like, I like what you can do with those stories. But to me, a mirror is a mirror. But when I read a mirror story, I have to suspend my disbelief and think, what if? Mm -hmm. So why this particular mirror story? What what grabbed you? What nabbed you? This is the only one I could find that, <laughs> yeah. that was of substance. Because everything, a lot of things online are short. And I didn't want to bring a three-paragraph story here. There's a beauty in those. I just didn't want to bring them. Sure. Mm -hmm. but, but this one in particular, like, I like how, you know, you can, you can come across as, like, oh, maybe they're losing it or, or whatever. But then, like. 
it's the concrete things that happen during the story. The door shuts. Like, they feel the hot breath. They hear the sound. Mm -hmm. Like, the things you can quantify a little bit more than just, like, our reflection looks a little off. You know, like, that's. I think that's what I like about this story, though. To me, it sounds like a really drunk person that's just getting robbed at 3 in the morning. <laughs> and they're freaking out. That's what's there. Nobody <laughs> slam. Exactly. <laughs> what do you guys think? A good part of any scary story is the build. And you're limited by the amount of time you have based on the length of the story. And so it's like, we didn't have a lot of time to build with that story. We had to jump right into the weird stuff happening. And we had to ramp it up pretty quick. Mm -hmm. With that in mind, I still liked it. I don't have necessarily the same kind of mirror fascination. It's except when you're looking at yourself. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's uh, just me being narcissus. Yeah. But uh, the idea that it's a door or a portal to something else, like I've never really given it that much thought. But I can see how it'd be. It's just it's an interesting narrative piece. Mm -hmm. How about you, Rob? Well, I um. I definitely enjoy the stories where a mirror is a doorway or because, you know, a mirror is a, it's a weird thing, you know, it's, um, so a, a mirror is reflective, right? But what color is a mirror? A mirror is silver. How can it be both? But if you put two mirrors next to each other, they become green. So like mirrors are just kind of weird. <laughs> um, and I think that lends itself very well to, being part of a scary story and then you know also mirrors it does it, you know it does function somewhat as a doorway to another world where everything is backwards the mirror universe yeah there's star the trek. there's the fucking star trek mm -hmm. i didn't bring it up craig yep. didn't bring it up <laughs> always the guest <laughs> <laughs> wasn't last week do you suppose i mean talking about the properties of a mirror do you suppose that's where there is that propensity to use mirrors in scary stories because unless you understand why it behaves the way it does, it just comes off as strange. Mm -hmm. um, but if you actually understand how the light is behaving and how the materials affect the light, then suddenly the magic is gone, the mysticism is gone, and it's just a piece of metal with some glass on it. I don't think, I don't think understanding it takes away from it. No. Because I think most people, you know, fundamentally, they understand, like, this is not a mirror or not a gateway to somewhere else. But a mirror is, it, it's just kind of weird. I don't know how else to put it. Mirrors are weird. I think what I like about mirrors is maybe it, like, loses its effect in modern day where you have, like, video cameras and, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. We can, like, easily take selfies or pictures and you can see yourself. But before, you know, that existed that's how people saw themselves was in a mirror and if, even like before mirror is like a body of water and you see a reflection sure. so mm -hmm. i think like well there was there's a big period of time where like mirrors were a luxury mm -hmm. where that yes they existed and you might run into one every now and again but like most people either didn't have one or had a poor quality one uh, but now perfect mirrors are commonplace mm -hmm. and and then also too like if you're talking about the oral history of like ghost stories like mirrors are probably as old as ghost stories or at least seeing yourself in a reflection like seeing yourself mm. in a way that wasn't a picture you know mm. like i think that i think that's why mirrors to me are so rooted in scary stories is because they're just as old 
as scary stories, at least to me. Like, you mm-hmm. can probably go back hundreds of years and always find a mirror story of some kind. Mirrors themselves never creep me out, no matter how many demons you try to summon through them at work. Um, <laughs> it's just the one. It's just the once. <laughs> he hasn't uh, picked up your call yet. <laughs> I should have done it in the girls' bathroom if I was smart. <laughs> Why does that make a difference? Because I did it in the boys. I, that's where I do my business. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying the demon has seen your shame and therefore won't take your call? That's why he's probably not playing tic-tac-toe with me either. When not, I, not only that, know. though, it makes fun of him now. It sees him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was a size joke. Rob? You had a story for us? Or a, a concept for us? Well, okay. Here is the scariest story I could ever think of. There once was a person who had a chronic illness, and he lived in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> the, the story I want to talk about, it's a little bit too long to tell here. And I could cut things out if I really wanted to tell the story. But I do enjoy the length of the story, and I think... You should look it up and and read it at some point. Um, It's called The Left-Right Game. And the story focuses on a guy who he learns of this game where you get in your car. And every time you come up to a crossroads, you turn left. And next time you turn right, you turn left and you turn right. And you just keep doing that. And as, as he keeps doing that, he ends up in weirder and weirder and more bizarre places. And it starts off pretty mundane. Like he ends up in a neighborhood that is just weird. Like people are doing things that you wouldn't normally see someone doing outside, but it eventually it comes into kind of a, uh, like a bizarro netherworld type uh, situation. And we learn eventually, you know, you get far enough into it. There are creatures in this other world that, they don't like you. They don't like that you're there. And at some point, if you take the wrong turn, you like get sucked into the world and it's basically a death sentence is the way that it's described. Hmm. But yeah, it, I, I just, I really enjoy that story because it, it, like I said, it just gets progressively weirder and stranger and more horrifying, but it's like just a journey that, hmm. that this guy took. I do like how uh, with some because I've I've heard of the title of that I've never mm-hmm. read the story itself, um, but like it it invites you to try it right I yeah I think that's what's kind of scary about it because mm-hmm. like don't do it but here's here's how to do it and here's what I did right yeah and that is another thing like it it kind of invites you to be part of the story because the way that the guy learned about it was somebody who tried it they got all these rules that's like hey don't do this if you want to come back and every retelling of the story they go a little bit farther into the other world Mm. and then yeah it's kind of implied at the end that now it's your turn to go and it's such a simple sort of ritual Mm -hmm. right for it there's another one similar to that involving an elevator I forgot the rules and I forgot what it's called. I think it is just like the elevator game. James had a look of recognition. What are the rules, James? I I don't know the rules top of my hand, but basically 
and it instantly reminded me of, of, the, of the elevator game. It comes from Japan, and basically you it's a sequence of buttons, and then you know you're doing it right because when you like halfway through the doors open and a girl enters the elevator. You're not supposed to look at her. You're not supposed to say anything. And then you mm-hmm. you continue the game. And supposedly, if you fulfill the requirements, you basically end up in another world. And you can easily get stuck there. Mm-hmm. And then in order to undo it, it's a sequence of buttons again. And then you're like on like the lobby floor. Hmm. I, I love in these types of stories, there's always a point where somebody joins you. And you either can't talk to them or you have to say something incredibly specific and you can't say anything else. I don't know what it is about that. I, I, I find it funny, but well, like I like that it's a common trope in these types of, hey, try this story. Yeah. Do you think that's designed by whoever created the story initially to like deliberately put people in awkward situations and yeah. that made them happy? <laughs> like <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it all comes back to just social anxiety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, frequently, and I don't know about the elevator game, but a lot of times this already happens when you're sort of on the way into the other world. Hmm. So you're not going to be riding the elevator up with your sequence of buttons and then just some business person walks in and you think, (laughs) oh, that's them. Because I'm guessing the lights would have dimmed or the door would have opened to a a room that is different than the last time you went to that floor. Yeah, I don't know exactly. It's definitely, I think the story's always, it's like a girl mm-hmm. and I don't know if her hair is like over her face or something, but it's like something distinct. Like, you know that right. like you're doing the game right. Well, nobody would know what she looks like anyways. And that's supposed to look at her. Unless you win. I mean, right though. <laughs> but I also, oh good, I think you're Well, I was just going to say too, like with the elevator game, um, I forget her name, but there is like, Someone, it was in California, some hotel, there is video footage of her, like, leaving the elevator, like, clearly, like, spooked. And then they find her on the roof of the hotel in, like, water tanks. And they don't know how she got in there, but they definitely found her dead and people were drinking the water from those tanks. I remember hearing about that. Elisa Lamb. Yes, that is it. And supposedly she was playing the elevator game. Can't have you guys prove seen, it. You can't ask her. But have you guys seen the footage? Yeah. No. No. It is kind of creepy. I mean, I think the footage on its own, it just looks like a woman acting weird. And it's, but like with like people telling you what it, what happened afterwards and stuff like that. Mm. Like it deliberately looks like she's acting weird for some reason. I I mean, when I watched it, I was like, well, she's high. Like she's yeah. on something. Yeah. Like she, she's just being weird. She's standing and like swaying in one spot sure. for like. Well, minutes. like she's also looking out of the elevator at certain, like yeah. peeking around. Yeah, it's like she, it's like yeah. she's worried someone's following her, hmm. but also maybe that she's looking for someone. There's just there's a lot of different ways you can interpret it. Yeah. I think that's why that's what makes it so compelling. Yeah, is we all can kind of place our story that we want onto it. But I think it's cool that like you know both the the left right game and the elevator game, all these all these things, the ritual in them. You could even accidentally do. And I think that's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like who just goes driving at night sometimes just to drive and you probably don't even think about it. You turn left, then you turn right. Maybe you're not pushing sequences of buttons on the elevator, but like, I just think it's interesting that like these stories have come from like somebody had to discover them some way, mm-hmm. you know? So 
I wonder if there's a tool out on the internet that you, you tell the tool, this is the destination I want. Tell me where are some places I can start and play the right left game to get there. Hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should definitely, um, if that doesn't exist, that'd probably be easy to code. Yeah. Cause Basic, then, cause then if nothing finding. happens, it's not a completely wasted trip. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's uh, much similar. I, I had found mine on the internet uh, listening to listening to a, a podcast called Radio Rental, which is uh, supposedly true stories taken from the internet. Mm. Yeah, something like that. It was 1988. My family lived out in the country and at least 30 minutes from the nearest town. It was summertime and school was out. I had two sisters, so I spent a great deal of time playing by myself outside. I never really minded it because I always had a great imagination. Behind my house was a big woods that a group of five neighbors had built our houses around. There was my family, the Nettles, the Robinsons, the Mitchells, and then there was the Mystery House. That's what all the neighborhood kids called it. None of us kids knew who lived at the Mystery House, and I know my parents didn't have a clue either. The house set back in the woods directly behind my house in the context of this little five-house circuit. One of my favorite places to go off and play by myself was out in the woods. My parents didn't mind as long as I was back before dark. So there I was, 10 years old, and taking a duffel bag of G.I. Joes out in the woods all summer long to play by myself. I always set up shop in a nice little spot by a little creek, not far off from one of the trails. From this spot, I could still hear my mom if she was yelling at me to come back to the house. However, the real reason I chose this particular spot was because it provided the best view of the mystery house. I had a weird obsession with this house. You couldn't see it in full because it had those tall shrubs that private people put all around their house. Throughout the years, me and my friends had poked through the shrubs and got a peek at the whole house. It was a nice house, bigger than our house and all the other neighbors. It was also three stories, so you could always see the top stories of the house from my little play spot. At the top is where the window was, a single window jutting out of the top floor of the house. I used to stare at that window and simply wonder what was going on inside. One day when I was out at my spot playing, a terrible feeling overcame me. All of a sudden, I froze with fear. I became very aware that someone was watching me. And they were with me in the woods while I, where I was playing. For what seemed like eternity, but was probably only a few minutes, I could not move. I did not want to turn around and face whatever it was. Finally, I grabbed my bag of toys and simply started walking towards my house. Not once did I turn around, I just calmly walked back to my house and went inside. For a few days, I was too terrified to go back in the woods. But finally, boredom set in and I just chalked it up to my own imagination. Being alone in the woods can be creepy sometimes, I told myself. So I finally went out and played. Although this time I left my toys at home and traveled alone to have as little baggage as possible, just in case I had to leave again. While playing in the same spot as last time, that old familiar feeling of being watched came over me. Instantly, I faced the direction of my house and started walking, and then a voice calmly said, You don't have to leave. As scary as this might sound, it wasn't. The voice did not belong to some monster or boogeyman, but rather to a little girl. She said her name was Laura and that she lived in the mystery house with her mom and dad. 
She was an only child, and she took me to a part of the woods on the other side of her house, the mystery house, that I had not previously seen. There was a man-made swing out there made of rope and wood that hung from two different trees. Laura would sit on the swing, dangling her legs, and ask me questions about myself, my life, my home life. However, when I would inquire about her life, she would simply hop off the swing and switch subjects. She said she was a year older than me, and she had dark brown eyes. Her hair was brown, mop-top like peppermint patty from Peanuts, and her clothes never seemed to fit right for some reason. I couldn't tell if they were too big or too small, they just didn't seem right to me. Anyway, this went on for a few days, maybe even a week. I would go out to the spot in the woods, and eventually Laura would show up. And we would go to the spot with a swing. Laura told me she was homeschooled and that her mother let her choose what lessons she would learn on certain days, which explained why I never saw her on the bus. One day, we're hanging out in a little spot when Laura tells me she wants to show me something. We go to this half-dead tree, and she shows me where she carved her name in the bark. It was her name inside a heart. Then she reaches into the hollow part of the tree and pulls out a pack of cigarettes. She tells me she stole them from her mom, and she proceeded to teach me how to smoke. Ten years old, hanging out in the woods, smoking cigarettes with an older girl. That's when Laura informed me that her bedroom is the one with a single window on the third floor. The whole floor, or attic, is one big bedroom for her, she said. That was about as personal as she ever got about her home life. I got the feeling that Laura's parents weren't exactly good. I told my family about my new friend in the woods, leaving out the smoking part, and they thought it was great. My older sister, of course, teased me about my girlfriend in the woods. I'm sure they wondered why she never came out of the woods to our house, but they never said anything. But then one day, Laura was gone. I went back to the spot and Laura never came back. Being 10 years old, you just accept things and eventually I forgot about Laura. Flash forward to the next summer, the mystery house is put up for sale and they are having an open house. After much pleading, me and my sister eventually convinced my mom to take us to the open house. We all knew we couldn't afford the house, but even mom wanted to see how nice it was, so we went. Laura's mom greeted us at the door, and it is shocking how similar their eyes were. There is no denying that this was Laura's mother. My mom introduced herself and explained that we had been neighbors for a while. When she did this, Laura looked directly at me and said, Yeah, I think I recognize this little guy. Something about it just rubbed me the wrong way. My mom asked if they had any kids, and the lady said, Oh yeah, we lost our daughter a few years ago. And that was all she said about it. Lost. So my mom assumed that she meant her daughter died and quickly changed the subject. At this point, my whole family is a little freaked out because they know my stories of playing with the little girl in the woods. She proceeded to show us around the house and we politely go along. After the second floor, she told us thanks for coming by and says she is sorry that she had been our neighbor for so long and just was now meeting us. However, I know the tour isn't over. I know that there is a third floor because Laura told me her bedroom was up there, but the lady never shows us the third floor. I got a little freaked out and feeling faint when all of a sudden Laura's mother looked at me and uttered, What's wrong, little guy? You look like you've seen a ghost. We get in the car and head home. Mom tells me that she doesn't want me going out in the woods anymore without supervision. My sister is convinced that there is a ghost of a little dead girl in the woods behind our house. We even start referring to her as Laura of the Woods. There was one time that I went back to my spot in the woods. I somehow knew Laura would be looking for me from her window. 
When I got there, I looked up and sure enough, someone was watching me. But it wasn't Laura. It was her mother. I spent the next 18 years of my life convinced that I was friends with a ghost when I was 10. 18 years later, I was married, 28. My uncle had recently purchased the, the old Robinson house next door and we were all going there for a cookout. We're all just sitting around drinking beers and all of a sudden my sister brings up Laura of the Woods. We have not talked about it as a family in a long time and my wife had not heard the whole story. I tell them all the story in full, this time including the cigarettes, realizing my family never knew that part. My sister convinced us to take her and my wife to the tree with her name carved in it. I'm half drunk, so this sounds like a good idea. We walk the trails and finally get to the spot, and sure enough, there's just the swing that Laura used to sit on. And a little beyond that, we come to the tree. There in the bark, encircled by a heart, is the name Laura. We're all a little spooked out, and without thinking, I reached my hand into the hollow part of the tree. I knew what it was as soon as my hand touched it. I pulled it out and showed it to my wife and sister. There in my hand was the 18-year-old pack of Marlboros. Needless to say, we got out of there in a hurry. However, there was now a flaw in my story. All these years I thought I was playing with a ghost, but would a ghost be able to smoke and carve their name into a tree? Now I was convinced that Laura was completely real. Flash forward a few months later, I had caught food poisoning. I was sick as a dog and running a fever. While I slept, I had this dream. I'm walking through the woods of my childhood and I walk along the very familiar path. It is a strange gray outside like the time of day right before day turns to night. I turn a corner and there is a wooden bench overlooking the valley that leads down to the little stream. Laura is sitting on the bench. I'm coming at her from behind, but I know who it is. The peppermint patty hair and strange clothing means it could be no one else. I walk around to the front of the bench and look at her. She is laughing this evil little giggle like she knows something. Then she puts her hand in her hair and simply pulls it off. What I realize at that moment is something that I don't like to talk about. I see those dark, familiar eyes. I woke up screaming like a madman. It was always her mother. It was always her mother. Now, it was freaky enough for a kid to think that he had been friends with a ghost when he was a kid. I think it's even creepier to think of a grown woman dressed in her dead daughter's clothes to befriend a child in the woods. I like it because of the two twists. Like, you think it's a ghost... And then it might not be. Hmm. I'm a big fan of that story. I think the ending makes it scarier. Like, if it's a ghost, like, you expect that, right? Hmm. Whereas, like, you're 10 years old and you're playing with a grown woman in the woods. <laughs> that's even, I don't know, That that's just, right. I think what adds to it, it's like, it could happen, right? Not that you can't, like, play with a ghost in the woods, <laughs> like like you do sometimes like 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 no more kids do right but like i think what's it's it's tangible i think for me to where it's like someone who's like not in their right mind because of grief like could do mm -hmm. that sure and then you don't know like what else maybe they're capable of if they are in the right state of it's, mind i think it's it's not necessarily outright scary it's Suddenly, the whole story becomes unsettling. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. You're just like, wait, what? I think that's why I like that story. Is that like, I think that's oral stories in general. You know, like there is no, for the most part, big jump scare at the end. It is, mm -hmm. it just leaves you with this feeling of unsettledness. Yeah, you know, and I think that's what makes them scarier than horror movies. So, 
I also really like that it it was it was the type of twist that makes you put the entire story up to that point in a different light. Like you have to, th- you can think back on the whole thing and with that, that lens and that view of it. And with that new information, you get to rethink everything you just heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of reprocess it. Like that's kind of fun. Cause like you hear it the second time and you know what's happening. And that's what makes that first part of the story scarier than the first time you heard it. Sure. Is that's like, Oh, that's like the mom. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's spooky now. Whereas before, it's like, well, okay, yeah, ten year old girl or whatever, like fifteen yeah. year old girl. Like, also, the mom's deliberately fucking with them, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I think I remember this little guy. Fuck yeah. you, lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you see a ghost. You know what? Fuck you, mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, kid, you want to smoke? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a good story, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like it. No. Yeah, I know it is. <laughs> <laughs> I brought it. Fine, Caleb. I'll never validate you again. <laughs> Message received. Message received. <laughs> You're on your own. When aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, any other thoughts, opinions? I'll just go out and say, due to the time, like, but the 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 bit that I was going to bring to the table, we'll forgo that this week. Maybe I'll bring it up another time. I, I would appreciate it. No, I, I need the bit. I appreciate you all joining us around our little campfire tonight. I will make sure to post at least links to the stories that were mentioned and where, where you can hear it told better on Radio Rental. Craig, what are, what are the uh, places they could reach us at? Well, if you, listener, have any thoughts on any stories that you heard tonight or would like to share your own stories with us, you can reach out to us at strikesourfancy at gmail.com. You can go down in the details of the description of this episode, send us a little voice message, or you can find us on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. There's also our website, ourfancy.site. James, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, we're always happy to have you. This has been your head storyteller, Caleb. Along with me, I had... I've been Rob. I've been uh, a thoroughly entertained listener, Craig, tonight. Rural Raggy! It's James! <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you in a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs>